Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Spanish Mustang Radio. I'm your host, Wynn Brookhouse. Together, we will meet and talk to owners, breeders, and trainers of the Spanish Mustang, and also uncover some historical facts in our audio journey. I hope you, like me, will become more aware of this wonderful breed of horses. Today's show is something special. Janice Leidendorf will be reading excerpts from her book, A Marvelous Mustang. So let's begin. Well, I wanted to start out by talking about the book a little bit. Sure. Okay. I got my Spanish Mustang 20 years ago. I bought him from King Kingsley in North Dakota, and he was a range colt who had never been handled when I got him when he was six months old. I kept detailed records of everything I did with him and worked at trying to understand what he was thinking and feeling as we did all kinds of things together. This turned into the book, which is a memoir, but it's all written from his viewpoint. Okay, the first thing I'm going to read is from the first chapter. It's called The Wild Boy, and he was a suckling foal at this time. At the end of every chapter, I have something he calls a Mustang survival code, which describes what he has learned in order to survive. On the first chapter now, that's what I'm going to read. To stay alive in a world full of predators, a Mustang must always be prepared to flee from danger. To protect himself, he should stay in familiar territory, stay alert for meat eaters like coyotes or snakes, avoid traps like wild wire fences. To survive, he must belong to a herd and stay with it. To be welcome in a herd, he must understand how to get along with all the horses in it. He needs to know each member's scent, size, shape, color, and voice discover where each one fits into the hierarchy of his herd, find his place in the hierarchy. He must respect his superiors and get out of their way, allow them to kick or bite him, let them drive him away from food and water. He may be able to dominate other foals without a fight. He can make friends with foals whose status is closest to his own. He may test constantly to see if his status can be improved. That's what he learned in the first six months of his life. The book is told chronological, it's broken into a series of parts which reflect the age, and what I'm going to read from you now is entailed true. When the weather got colder, I grew a heavy winter coat to keep me warm. Snow soon covered up the grass and we had to dig through it to find food. As long as I live, I shall never forget those last few weeks out on the winter prairies. Our herd no longer lived in a pasture paradise. My mother had little milk for me, and I felt hungry all the time. Sometimes I dreamed that I had found a better way of life. I wanted to have plenty of good food to eat and to never feel hungry again. One cold day, some humans came into our pasture and put up high fences in one corner of it. Much to my amazement, my father let a tall human sit on his back. They drove us inside the fenced area, and there we found some food. Each of the adult horses picked out a pile and began eating. I 
stayed close to my mother and sniffed her hay before I began eating. It smelled like dry grass and filled my empty stomach. Before we had finished eating, the humans closed the last gap in the fences. The adult horses acted alert and wary, but not fearful. Why had those humans trapped us? What did they intend to do with us? I didn't know what to expect from them. They moved the fences closer and closer to us. I tensed up and my stomach began to hurt. To get away from the humans, we had to go into a long thing they called a trailer. I slammed the gate behind us and I felt movement under my feet. I shook with terror and cuddled up against my mother. She didn't smell of fear, but I felt trapped in that cage. The trailer stopped and we got out of place with many fences. Those mean humans used them to separate us both from our mothers. I couldn't understand why these humans wanted to treat me so badly. Didn't they understand that a little guy like me still needs his mother? Even if she didn't have much milk for me, I still wanted to be with her. If they forced me to leave her, who would love, teach, comfort, and protect me? What those humans didn't know is I am a Mustang who thinks. I heard my mother calling me, and I studied the fence that kept me apart from her. The top wire was twice my height. Instead of trying to crawl through it, I decided to jump over it and cleared it with ease. I enjoyed surprising those humans and laughing at them. When they drove us apart again, this time I tried to jump over a gate that was higher than the wire fence. Instead of the wire strands, it was made out of something more solid. I almost made it, but on the way down, I caught my right hind foot in a gap. I hung there until a human came running and pushed my foot free of the gate. I hit the ground and trotted off, but the pain from my hind leg shot all the way up into my back. After that, I hurt so much I could fight no more. When those humans separated us from my mother again, I felt ice form around the bleeding wound in my heart. That night, I huddled together with other colts and fillies from our herd. All of us weanlings kept springing, screaming for our mothers. When I called for mine, she didn't answer. I wondered if she no longer loved me. I tested the air but couldn't pick up her scent. I wanted to hunt for her but could find no way to escape. In the morning, the humans used more fences to push angry me into another trailer. They shoved that pretty red-white filly in with me. As we began our long journey together, my anger drained away and fear took over. What did those humans plan to do to us? Did they intend to eat us? Every time that thought crossed my mind, I felt stabbing pains in my stomach. And one day, those humans had shown me what bad, mean, nasty, and cruel creatures they really are. As I braced myself against the motion of that trailer, I decided my mother had been right, and I vowed never to trust one of them. He came to me in Minnesota when he was six months old, and of course, making friends with him took quite a while. What I'm going to read you next is Tale 4, called Halter Horror. Just when I had begun to allow myself to feel friendlier toward humans in my life, Wind and the Short One introduced a new horror to me. They showed it to me, and Wind said, Scan, this is your halter. I even washed it for you. Now the dye won't irritate your tender skin. The halter often appeared in my oat bucket, and I had to put my nose through it to get at my food. One day, the Short One grabbed me by the neck in an arm lock and pulled it up behind my ears. I got away from her and discovered that dreadful thing had stayed on my head. Having something in my body terrified me. If it came alive, it could claw and eat me. Fortunately, it just hung on me. That halter felt so hard, heavy, and stiff. When those humans left it on me and one of them touched it, stabbing pain shot through my head. 
Sometimes my filly grabbed it with her teeth and hurt me by pulling on one of the straps that kept it on my head. I decided wearing it was worse than having that perverse filly sniffing at my tender male part. Oh, how I disliked humans. Couldn't they see how that halter hurt me? Sometimes I wondered if Wynne suspected how I felt about that halter. She touched it so carefully before she eased it off my head. Fortunately, she soon found another kind of halter for me. It looked more like the rope she had been using to hold me and walk with me. When it appeared in my rope bucket one day, I tried leaping away from it, but then I had to come back and touch it to get my food. One day, Wind and I played with our rope for a while. Then she brought out that new halter and let me look at it. It scent reminded me of the tall one. I examined it carefully, but when she tried to touch me with it, I plunged away from her. I dived into a corner, spun around, and faced her. As I stood there, I kept shifting my weight back and forth between my front feet. I knew what she wanted to do. She wanted to put that halter on me. Would it hurt me like the other one did? Wind had never hurt me, but could I trust her? I had vowed never to trust a human. Should I break my vow and make an exception for her? Should I accept the halter? What should I do? She just stood there waiting for me to make a decision. For many, many minutes, the same thoughts went round and round in my head. Finally, I decided to trust her. I walked over to her and let her run the halter all over my body. It was made out of rope and felt light and soft, unlike that heavy, hard, stiff one. It didn't hurt me. Next time she came to see me, she looped the halter around my neck and held me with it, just like she did with our rope. Next, she gently slipped it over my nose and tied it behind my ears. It felt so comfortable that it didn't bother me while we played our usual games. Before she left, she took it off my head. When I had grown accustomed to wearing my halter, Wynne began using it with our rope. Whenever she used the rope on the crest of my neck to ask me to walk with her, she began grinding that cue with a light tug on the halter. I soon learned that a light pressure behind my ears meant go forward. Next, she would stand on my left or right side, touch the halter, and show me a treat. As soon as I turned my head towards her, she let me eat my treat. I soon learned to give to the pressure from the halter and turn my head towards her. This was just like the game we had played when she asked me to bend my neck to one side to eat out of my red bucket. Finally, she used a light tug in the rope that ran over my nose to ask me to stop her back. Since I already understood what pressure in my nose meant, this cue was easy for me to understand. I soon realized my halter really wasn't so horrible. Wind needed to talk to me. Trusting her had been the right decision. She must have seen or felt how that other halter had hurt me. She didn't try to force that rope halter on me. She let me decide to accept it. Maybe she was just as wonderful as she thought I was. Every time I saw her, I felt more respect and trust for her. I still felt wary of other humans, but this one had proved she could be my true friend. I'll never forget that day I had to stand up to my knees in snow waiting for him to make this decision. <laughs> uh, by the way, wind is what he calls me. Typically, horses don't hear our names, and I needed a name to make the story work, so he decided that was what my name should be. We progressed together, and now he's a yearling. This is tale 15. The floating got bad outside, and wind began turning me loose in the indoor arena. When I tore around in there, I enjoyed showing her that four legs are better than two, and let the gleam in my eyes say, Ha ha, you inferior human, you can't catch me. Of course, after I played enough, I always relented and came up to her so she could admire me. In such a small space, I couldn't stretch out and really run. I discovered a new gate when I learned to slow my gallop down to a canter. To balance myself on turns, I also found that a trot worked even better than a canter. One thing in there worried me. A strange object hung on one wall. 
First time I saw it, I stopped and pointed my ears at it. Friend laughed at me. Scan the mirror, can't hurt you. I didn't believe her and kept shying away from it. Every time I got close enough to it, I could see a horse in it, but he had no scent. If I nickered at him, he never responded. If I moved, he moved. One day I sneaked up on him and touched him with my nose. I felt a hard surface, not a real horse. Scan wrote my neck, Scan, that's not a real horse in the mirror, which you see is you. After that day, I often stopped to admire my handsome self in it. Scan is still a yearling. This is tail 16. What it concerns is strangle shots. Back when he had them, he was a yearling, and that was before they had the ones now that they do in the nose. They had to do the shots on the hind leg. Uh, he had just had one. She sighed, took me back to my stall, and gave me some grain to eat. While I munched away, I thought about what those humans had just done to innocent me. Shots had never really hurt me before. I didn't understand why this one had been so painful. Even worse, why had Wind let that vet torment, torment me? Her behavior baffled me. Should I forgive her one more time? I couldn't decide what to do. Later that day, I began to feel ill and my hind legs started to hurt. When Wind came into my stall, I laid back my ears and glared at her. I wanted her to leave miserable me alone. Then she offered me a handful. After what she and the vet had done to me, I didn't know if I could safely eat it. Sweet, juicy apples had always been one of my favorite treats. The scent of that apple drew me towards it. My ears came up and I touched it with my nose but didn't bite into it. Wind used her fingers to scratch underneath my mane. Scan, come on, please eat this apple. You'll feel better if you do. I believed her and took a large bite. Some bitter-tasting power had been hidden inside and I had to swallow it. My trusted human had paced. I played a bean trick on me. I ate the rest of the apple and decided to test my food more carefully in the future. In a few days, I felt better and we returned to our normal routine. Then that bed came back again. Again, she forced me to stand still while she jabbed me inside my hind leg. This time, I outwitted winds by refusing to eat any apples that might contain more of that bitter powder. Later that day, the shot hurt me more than the first one had. Suddenly, my grain started smelling different to me. After what I had found in that apple, I decided it might poison me. Much as I like to eat, I saw bad food as a serious threat to my health. I begged those humans to give me real food, but they kept giving me more of that bad grain. For a few days, I had to live on hay and lost weight. One day, Wynne finally noticed the grain I had left in my bucket. She scooped some up and offered it to me, but I turned my head away. Then she offered it to another horse. He gobbled it down. That didn't convince me that it would be safe for me to eat. She offered the rest of it to me, but I clamped my mouth shut to say, I won't eat it. Then I laid back my ears and glared at her to say, you can't make me eat bad food. She laughed. Scan, your eyes turn yellow when you're angry. I spun away and stood in a corner of my stall with my hindquarters toward her. I stamped my feet, threatened to kick her. She just ignored me. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw her walk out of my stall in the barn. An hour later, she came back with some special oats that saved me from starvation. They smelled right and tasted delicious. Then and there, I decided to forgive her for helping the vet and for tricking me into eating that bitter powder. Okay, he's now two years old, and this is tale 18. It's about what we called the circle game. For months, I had wondered why humans wanted horses to stay in arenas and go in circles in them. We horses move a lot, but we don't normally travel in circles. We go from one place to another to find food, water, or safety. Wind often led me to food or took me on walks with her, but also played a lot of games in arenas. To please her, I had learned these games, but none of them made any sense to me. 
The circle game had always struck me as being especially silly. One day I heard her call this game lunging. At my old home, Wind had first led me in circles. Then she taught me to walk around her and stop on the circle. Once I had figured out the rules of this game, I had to learn how to balance myself and adjust the length of my stride so I could move gracefully on circles to the left and to the right. When I had settled down with my new herd, she started playing this game with me in the indoor arena. So she began asking me to circle over poles on the ground. It came in many different shapes and colors. Before stepping over them, I liked to stop, put my head down, and examine them with my nose. I wanted to make sure they couldn't leap up off the ground and claw my tender belly. Once I decided they couldn't hurt me, I soon learned to balance myself as I stepped over them. Okay, Scan is now... Uh, he's, Scan is still a two-year-old, but he's an older two-year-old at this point. This is scale 19. It's about his introduction to the saddle. By that time, I had often seen other horses wearing saddles. Some looked heavy and cumbersome. Others looked lighter and easier to carry. Some of the horses in my new herd had told me that saddles had hurt them. I shivered whenever I thought about what a saddle could do to my sensitive back. If saddles had created bruises or sores in other horses, then maybe they could do the same to me. Last winter, Wind had asked me to wear towels on my back and wrap around my middle. The wrap did sometimes squeeze me slightly as I moved, but otherwise it had been comfortable to wear. If I had to carry a saddle, I often wondered, what kind would it be? What would it feel like on my back? And if it would hurt me? One night, Wind came into my stall carrying something I'd never seen before. I thought it might be one of those layered saddles, but it still scared me. I raised my head, tightened my back muscles, and got ready to run. I left my dinner, backed away from her, and began circling around my stall. She laughed at me. Scan, this is an English saddle. It's made out of leather and can't hurt you. I even took off the stirrups and girths to make it lighter for you. While I kept trying to get away from her, she just stood still and waited for me to calm down. Saddle didn't attack me, so I decided to try sneaking up on it. I came up to it, pointed my ears at it, and reached out with my nose. I ran my nose over it, looking for any threatening noises that drew in its scent. It didn't look dangerous, made no sound. It smelled like the tall one scent. Did it hurt me? I circled away from it and came back to study it from another angle. I kept moving away from it, then coming back to examine it again. Moved it several times so I could study it from both sides, right side up and upside down. Suddenly, she shook at me and it made a rattling sound. I leaped away from it, but it didn't attack me. I circled around my stall a few times and came back to examine it again. When she left my stall with an eye heaved a big sigh of relief, relaxed, and went back to my dinner. Every time she came into my stall with that saddle, I felt less afraid. From watching other horses, I knew she wanted to put it on my back. Fortunately, it wasn't one of those heavy plumbersome ones. When she held it over me, I kept moving out from underneath it. One day, I decided to accept the saddle. I marched up to her and stood right in front of her. As she gently lowered the saddle onto my back, I stood like a statue. It wasn't as soft as its towels had been, but it didn't feel uncomfortable. She praised me and fed me lots of treats before she took that saddle off my back. The next time she showed it to me, I noticed the leather had started to absorb my scent. It smelled like me. I figured it had to be safe for me to wear. After that, she often brought my saddle into my stall. She let it sit on my back while I ate grain and hay. She often took it off and on, first to my left side, then to my right side. Of course, every time she put it on my back, she gave me a treat. Okay, he's still a two-year-old. This is 12, tail 20. And this is about what we called the block game. Several large wooden objects had always stood in one corner of the indoor arena. Normally, I just ignored them, but I had seen many clumsy humans use them to get on their patient horses. 
What I didn't see is how the horses kept themselves before a human climbed up on them. They made it look easy. At that time, I had no idea how much I had to learn before I could let Wynne get on my back. Wynne coaxed me up to one of those blocks and let me examine it. She rubbed my neck, scanned the surmounting block. She led me around it, let me look at it from every angle. She asked me to stand in front of it while she sat on it and fed me treats. As long as she stayed on the ground, I stayed calm. We horses know that predators like to hide in trees. From that pounce position, they could jump down on unsuspecting horses and kill them. In one of my dream memories, a cougar leaped down on me and raked me with its claws. Anything that loomed above me stirred up my fear of being eaten. When wind stepped up on that black, I thought she had suddenly turned into a dangerous predator. Quickly, I plunged away from her. She lengthened the rope that held us together. I hit the end of it, stopped, and spun around to face her. She stepped off the block, came up to me, and rubbed my neck. Scan, I'm not going to hurt you. Someday I want to sit on your back. You have to get used to seeing me above you. She coaxed me back up to that block. She let me watch her step up and down. Finally, she stood on the lower step and held out her hand with a treat in it. Still shaking with terror, I came close enough to grab my reward before I backed away from her. After that day, she often lifted me up to the block and asked me to stand still when she stood on it. Every time I tried to move away from it, she got down immediately and made me come back and face it. I stood still, she praised me and fed me treats. Finally, she asked me to stand beside it. Before she got up on it, she said, Whoa, I obeyed her, but suddenly I couldn't see her. When she disappeared above me, tremors of fear ran through my body. Before I exploded, she jumped down off and stood next to me. I felt her warm hands running over me and gradually massaging all the tension out of my body. Scan, it was just me standing over you, not a fearsome monster. Don't worry, I'm not going to hurt you. I stepped up on the block again. This time I turned my head around and smelled the legs of the monster that stood on it. I knew wind and recognized it immediately. It really was just her standing above me. I knew she would never hurt me, so I relaxed and stood quietly while she praised me. After that day, she spent a lot of time standing on that block beside me. Sometimes she stood on my left side and sometimes on my right side. Soon she began touching me all over from the pounce position. Her touch from above startled me at first, but I soon learned to relax and enjoy it. Anne is now three years old, and this is taken from Tale 22. It's what we call the weight game. Along with the driving and bit games that spring, Wynne taught me one more new game. She started by bringing something new into my stall. Scan, this is an old pair of jeans for you to wear. I plan to gradually add sandbags in the legs so you can get used to carrying weight on your back. She showed these jeans to me, let me smell them, rubbed me all over with them. They picked my, up my scent before she showed them to me again. They smelled like me. I decided they couldn't hurt me, so I let her toss them over my back. The next time I saw them, they looked and smelled the same. When Wynne threw them on me, they felt heavier. The weight in the legs pulled them down on my back. When Wynne led me out of the stall, I followed her around but kept an eye on that thing on my back. It suddenly started to claw me. I wanted to be prepared to jump out from underneath it. Fortunately, it didn't move or hurt me. Soon, she tied those weighted jeans to my saddle before she asked me to play the circle game. So walk, they didn't bother me. When I tried it, they bounced around on my sensitive back. To escape from them, I tried trotting faster and faster and faster. Faster I went, the more they bashed me. Suddenly, I heard Wynne laughing me at me. I looked at her and started to think about what I was doing. I slowed my trot down, and those jeans didn't bang me as hard. Then I had a bright idea. Going over Cavaletti had taught me to drop my head and relax my back. As soon as I moved that way, those jeans stopped bouncing on my back. Several weeks later, she asked me to carry them in a canter. 
They didn't bounce as much as when I had first tried to carry them at a trot, but they slid around more. I didn't like that feeling, so I cramped my black muscles together. When I cantered, I could feel myself rocking down onto one forefoot and then back onto a hind foot. When I tightened my back, one rock pushed those weighted jeans into the air, and the next one brought them down on my back with an unpleasant thud. I tried to jump out from underneath them, but they stayed in my back and kept banging me. Over and over, I tried to run away from those unpleasant thuds, but those jeans insisted on staying with me. Finally, I gave in and relaxed my back muscles. That solution worked. Those jeans didn't go away, but the thuds stopped. Scan is now uh, a three-year-old. By now, Wind had introduced me to many new games. At first, I had often felt angry, frightened, or confused. Some had been hard for me to play, but that easier as I grew older, stronger, and smarter. One summer day, Wind and the Sharpman started a new game with me, one that terrified me. Prior, we had played the circle and walk game for a while. I sent an oats and found them in a bucket held by Wind. While I ate them, the short one leaned on, leaned and hung on me. Suddenly, she swung her leg up over me. That didn't scare me because Wind had swung that whip over and around me so much. Then the short one sat down on my back. That didn't scare me because I'd already grown accustomed to feeling some weight on my back. What did scare me was something new. I could no longer see the short one beside me, but I could feel her legs around me. Where had she gone? I took my nose out of my oats, bent my neck, and tilted my nose so I could look up at her. That heavy weight on my back was her, and her body towered over me. Before I could react to this new sight, she slid off my back. When I finished my oats, both humans petted me, and I thought about what had just happened to me. I realized they had put the block game and the weight game together. Did I safely accept this new game? I didn't know what to think. Many horses are born knowing that something on our backs would be a predator who wants to eat us. Humans looked and smelled like predators, but didn't act like them. My dream memories told me that two-legged beasts had once had hunted horses. I soon learned to feel some trust for these two humans, but I always wondered if someday they might decide to eat me. Had they been fooling me all along? If I let them sit on me, would they change? Would their legs and hands turn into claws to hold me and tear me apart? The next time we played this game, I froze with terror as soon as the short one sat down on me. I wanted to bolt away from the thing at my back, but wind had too firm a grip on my altar. I cramped all my muscles together and cowered against her. I looked at her to beg me to save me from the thing at my back. Before I exploded, the sharp one slid off me. I felt wind's hand rubbing my neck. Scan, you don't need to be so scared. Nobody's going to hurt you. That day, the short one got off, on and off me many times. Each time, I felt a little less frightened. When she sat at me, she started holding out her hand with a chuck carrot for me. To reach my treat, I had to relax a little. As soon as I decided the short one wasn't going to turn into a predator, I decided to laugh. I relaxed and let all the tension flow out of my body. The next time the short one came, she offered me a bucket of oats. I stuck my nose in the bucket but kept an eye on wind. Every time she tried to get in my back, I moved away from the mounting block. Suddenly, the short one took the oats away from me. To get the rest of them, I had to stand still and let wind get on me. After that day, Wynne brought our mountain block into my stall and put rope brains onto my halter. She stepped up on the block and disappeared. I felt weight land on my back. It felt heavier than the short one. Suddenly, it went away, and Wynne appeared beside me again. I didn't like this change. Whenever I felt that thing in my back, I wanted her to stay on the ground where I could see her and lean against her. If it suddenly turned into a predator, I wanted her beside me so she could protect me. Every time she disappeared, I felt less frightened. When that thing 
sat on me. One day I felt a tug on the rope attached to the left side of my halter. As I'd been taught, I gave to it and turned my head around. I tilted my head to look up and realized that thing on my back was really my trusted human. Again, I relaxed and let the tension flow out of my body. After that day, every time wind got on me, I turned head, my head around, first to the left, then to the right. I would smell her legs and look up at her. As long as she was the thing on my back, I felt sure it would never hurt me. So far, those humans had just sat on me while I stood still. The next time the short one came, they began asking me to move underneath one of them. The one on the ground would offer me some oats, but only allow me to have them when I had taken one or two steps towards her. Moving under that much weight frightened me at first. I didn't know how to balance underneath it and felt I might fall down at any moment. Gradually, they asked me for more steps. At first, I kept my feet underneath me and moved carefully one foot at a time. As my back grew stronger and I found my balance, I started moving more normally. Soon, the one on the ground began leading me around the arena. It had a mirror on one wall, and I often admired my handsome self. And the first time I saw the shirt went on my back, I didn't recognize myself. I froze in my tracks and my legs shook so much I almost fell down. Wind broke my neck. Scan, it's just you in the mirror. You haven't turned into a monster. Fortunately, I had often seen other humans riding their horses. I stared at the image in my mirror until I realized it was just me with the sharp on my back. As the youngest one in my herd, I've often been teased about my age. Suddenly, I realized that now I looked like an adult horse at one of them. I relaxed and nudged wind with my notes. She asked, I scratched my forehead before she asked me to follow her again. Anne is now a four-year-old and has learned how to live comfortably with humans. What he says at the end of the book is, to enjoy being with humans, we horses need to feel that they are, are our trusted friends or partners. When I accepted my halter, I decided my human could be my herd mate and friend. Later, I figured out that she cared for me like a mother. Now that I'm older, I think of her more as a partner. She is with me. My heart sings with happiness, and I can hear her heart singing the same happy song for me. My goal is to do everything I can to please her and make her proud of me. She thinks I belong to her, but I know she belongs to me. I had to take good care of her so she never leaves me alone in the world of humans. When I race across the pasture to meet her, when I walk proudly at her side, when we dance through one of our games, when we flow together in the riding game, then I know I must be a very special horse to deserve such a special human. I look forward to a long life with her, many exciting adventures in the deeps that lie ahead of us. Um, now, Janice, can, can you tell us where uh, someone can actually get, get this book? Um, okay, the easiest place is Amazon. It's available there both in paperback and in ebook. And do they just type in your name? Uh, they can type in the title, which is a marvelous Mustang. It's also available to, in a lot of other places, but I think the easiest one is Amazon. Most people know, know what they are and deal with them. That concludes another show. I hope you enjoyed it. To see my horses, visit youtube.com slash user slash Winbrookhouse. And I encourage all Spanish Mustang owners to put up videos, pictures, and stories about their horses in the hope of making the public more aware of these fabulous animals. Be well and safe. Remember, the natural world is the real thing. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.